Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. Happy Monday. Boy, is it a happy Monday. Potentially a really, really, really happy Monday for Denver Nuggets fans, for Colorado sports fans. Last year, of course, the Colorado Avalanche win the title. The Denver Nuggets stand in position to do it again this year. We'll, uh, if, if that comes to pass, we'll talk about the impact that uh, uh, the run that's the Cronky group, ownership group is on right now. Let's not ignore the Rams of late as well. But the Denver Nuggets are the focus. And the narrative around tonight's game, Sandy, you picked them in five. I picked them in five. I believe Danny Bailey in the booth picked them in five. Uh, we were unanimous on the show here, and there's reasons, and that, well, they might end up being evident tonight. But the narrative around it is that now it's the Nuggets, whether it comes locally or from Michael Malone or even the, the AP story today from Associated Press, that uh, Nuggets avoid uh, look to avoid a letdown one away from the title. Now, they're up three to two. The Three to one. Or pardon me, three to one. Uh, the the uh, Basically, only one team's ever lost in the finals. Uh, <laughs> three to one. And and when you talk about the teams winning, and that took a player suspension, right? To, to of Draymond Green uh, to accomplish that for the Cleveland Cavaliers, taking nothing away from them, they they won fair and square. But a, and Draymond Green got himself suspended. Cleveland had nothing. To but do it's with something it. like fifty. But he lost control of his emotions. Fifty six percent of the time, the the win happens in Game Five. Like thirty something more percent, it happens in Game well, Six. The 31 out of 30, for a letdown. 31 out of 134 times, teams have avoided Game 5 elimination. In all the scenarios, since the current playoff format was introduced with 16 teams in 1984, the team down 1-3 is 2-132. Right. 134 series, 31 have avoided Game 5 elimination. When it's over, it's over. And it's the point that we've made over and over again there's that a, there, there is, is a time point. in every series when the uh, team that's behind trailing realize it's licked. And that time and that happened. time has arrived. And I can tell you when it happened. And passed. And it happened on Friday night in game number four when everything, just about everything that we categorize as important indicators yep. of winning or losing favored the Miami Heat up to and very much including their two stars, Butler and Adebayo, badly outscoring the Nugget duo of Murray and Jokic, and especially outshooting them. 17 for 36 for Butler and Abayu, 13 for 36 for Murray and Jokic. The Nuggets shoot well under 50% from two-point range in that game. They did make 14 out of 28 threes, They've been better off all night just shooting three balls. The moment they hit a higher it happened. percentage. Everything that happened. Uh, offensive boards, Miami. Free throws, about the same. 21-20 in Denver's favor. Assists, 26-23. Star points, 38 for Denver, 45 for Miami. Paint points favored Denver, but only by two. Nothing like game three when it was 60-34. to On Friday, it's 48-46. And the Nuggets take all of one and a half shots more than Miami does, including free throws, 89 and a half to 88. If you throw free throws in and divide by two, okay? And all this favors Miami 
and they still lose by 13. And, oh, oh by the way, during a five-minute stretch in the fourth quarter, Nikola Jokic is sitting on the bench with five fouls. Correct. The Nuggets are 10 points ahead when he goes out. Miami quickly cuts it to five. By the time Jokic comes back, almost exactly five minutes later, mm-hmm. with commentators saying, oh, he's got to get him back in the game. He's got to get him back in. The Nuggets are up by only nine points. Right. That's, that's the series. And that's what it right ended. Right there. That's exactly what it's it ended. over. When they had it, and I think that they, the Heat knew it at that point. Now, granted, you know, four minutes left, you have an idea about them too. But I, I was sitting there watching the game with uh, Nate Lundy and Miley Sports, uh, and at halftime of that game, I turned to him and I said, the Nuggets are going to win this game by double digits. And uh, as I've seen and the that way was this without gone, knowing that Jokic would have five fouls in the fourth quarter and have to sit for almost half the quarter. And that's because earlier in the game, when Jokic sat in the second, as he often does, right? Aaron Gordon went off. At that point, by the time Jokic left, Jokic came back for most of the season, for most of the last few years, when Jokic leaves, whatever leads the Nuggets have, points bleed out of that. When Jokic returned in the second quarter, the Nuggets extended their lead right. by one. Right. And at that well, point, that the, I knew I knew it was over. Jok- he knew it was over when Jokic came back in, and they were only able to cut that lead. In by Jokic one was into only it. plus nine in the game. The Nuggets were plus four without him. I'm just saying. And uh, that's, that's the yeah. only hole in Denver's game. And so the two factors that I look at in this series that I think will be remembered long after this series ends is a new brand of leadership style from Nikola Jokic and the fact that the Nuggets, after years and years of simply not being able to function when Jokic is not in the game, now thrive. have now become a team that well, may not may not thrive, that might be a little strong, but can Fair. hold their own yes. without Jokic in the game and still play pretty much the same brand of basketball they play when Jokic is in the game. What Jokic does, his leadership style, contagious. His playing style, contagious. It rubs off on other guys. Guys who aren't good passers now become not only good, but very willing passers. Uh, Jamal Murray never passed like this uh, from the bubble on back to no, the start of his no, career here. He never passed the way he has this year. Michael Porter has had at times games in the playoffs in which he has passed. He never passed before. He took goose eggs night after night in the assist count. Aaron Gordon, not known as a particularly good passer, though he's certainly willing. He's an unselfish player. He had six assists the other night. Three to one assist to turnover ratio, plus 29 and 42 minutes. There's nothing on the floor, even three point shooting, that he is not doing well. Even Jokic's three point shooting is contagious. <laughs> the Nuggets shot as well from three overall as Jokic did by himself the other night, 14 for 28. Everything about him is contagious. It spreads, and it's one of the most remarkable examples of leadership tied in with impact to the point that even when he's not on the court, he has impact. The other team treats the Nuggets the same way, fearfully, whether he's in the game or not. And Miami 
the most fearless team in the NBA. They seem frozen in place against the Nuggets. They aren't averaging more than 98.3 points per game in this series. The Nuggets are scoring about 120 points per 100 possessions on allegedly, if not the best, then one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. It is one of the most remarkable playoff runs in NBA playoff history of the last 20 years. In fact, only the Golden State Warriors of 2017 have lost fewer games, even the 07 Spurs, who swept LeBron's Cleveland Cavaliers in the finals, lost four games, as many as the Nuggets have lost to date. Golden State in 2017 went 16-1. That's the only team that's had a more dominant playoff run and, frankly, a bigger point spread. Certainly in the finals, the Nuggets are plus nine points. That's why they're favored by nine tonight. Right. They've won the first four games by that's, an that's average, the average of uh, three of the first four by an average of nine points. That's the plus minus for the series is plus nine, 107-3 to 98 well, the games they've favorite. won, they've won by even higher than that. It's just a plus nine if you include their losses. Well, no, that's what it, Yeah, well, it's remarkable. I mean, you can't just take oh, wins. Yeah. Anybody can win by a lot. Sure. But to, to not be blown out once in the playoffs, and I I did not go back. It was an oversight. I should have gone back and looked at the one game Golden State lost. Uh, I don't even remember what it was during the 17 playoffs. Maybe you can look it up and see what the margin was in that one game. But the Nuggets have not lost by double digits in any of their four losses. And, in fact, they have only three regulation losses, which is probably, again, other than Golden State, the best playoff run of the last two decades in the National Basketball Association. Yeah, it's really been really remarkable to see that that really at no point has this team been, uh, I hesitate to say challenged, that's not entirely fair, but significantly challenged two in games the challenged two games and that's it two games apiece against phoenix game five here and one game the apiece one in game Miami they last lost week. in the finals to cleveland and they won both games uh you're talking about the golden state warriors back in that 2016 2017 run where they went unbeaten except they when they beat cleveland uh four to one they right. did lose that game 137 to 116 so they actually lost it by 21 okay so the nuggets i did you know go out oh seven check out the spurs the nuggets are the most dominant playoff team in terms of not losing they big, lost by even six once seven five in the last 20 and years. three that's it yeah i mean one loss by 21 trumps four losses by those margins yeah. I, I get that but isn't that amazing that the, the golden state team that lost to cleveland in 16 that had gone 73 and nine that cleveland was 16 and five and that included three losses to Golden State. They were down 3-1 in the, in the finals. But uh, San Antonio in 2014, 16-7. Golden State in 15, the first of their four championships in the last decade, 16-5. Cleveland, 16-5. Uh, Golden State in 18, repeated, 16-5. Toronto, 16-8. Lakers, 16-5 in the bubble. Milwaukee 16 and 7. Golden State last year 16 and 6. Nuggets right now 15 and 4. And if they close out tonight, they will match the Avalanche at 16 and 4. And uh, they will match anyone over the last 20 years, save for that Golden State team in 17. And the Gold- it, is, it, it is just Golden State remarkable. lost by a total of 21 points. 
That's what the Denver Nuggets in total of its four losses yeah. have been. Twenty one yeah. points. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, that, one of those in overtime. I mean, as that's well. one of the and and the regular season, the only team in the last decade with a worse regular season winning percentage was Milwaukee over seventy two game schedule going forty six and twenty six in twenty twenty one, and that works out over eighty two games to fifty two and thirty. And the Nuggets, of course, are fifty three and twenty nine. They've been the least successful championship team in a regular season in the last decade, save for that Milwaukee team. And in the last two decades, they've been the most dominant playoff team, again, save for that Golden State team that just lost one game. So, it, it, what, what, the, the playoff Nuggets, and for years, including recent years in Nugget history, regular season success, relatively speaking, has been followed by playoff failure, relatively speaking, relatively speaking. And this year, it's flip-flopped. They're obviously not to be confused with the team that lost 10 of its last 17 regular season games. No. But by the same token, they could have won 60 to 65 regular season games, and this record in the playoffs would be better than 60 wins to 65. So why in the world is the narrative the Nuggets try to avoid a letdown? Because Michael Malone said that that was the big issue. And as I said this morning with Bruce, if I didn't know better, I'd think Jokic and Malone were playing good cop, bad cop. We do know better, and, and they're not. But works. I said if I didn't know better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just listen to Chandler Stevenson of the Las Vegas Golden Knights, who are in the NHL Stanley Cup Final against Florida. And they're up three games to one. And they're going back home for game five. And this is what you hear team from Florida. most of the time from, exactly right, there's that parallel too. This is what you hear most of the time from players and coaches of teams that are up 3-1. This is Chandler Stevenson of the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Five years ago, he and his Washington Capitals teammates went into Las Vegas and won the Stanley Cup, beating the Golden Knights in Game 5 of the final. Now he's on the Golden Knights who leave Florida on the verge of winning their first championship. Here's the quote. It's a different game than the other ones. There's a lot more emotion, a lot more everything, Stevenson said. It's one win away from a lot of dreams for a lot of guys. Try to get your brain away from it, says Alex Petrangelo who captained the St. Louis Blues to their first title in franchise history four years ago. Try to get your brain away from it. Spend time with your family. Get ready to go back to work. Try to normalize it so that your emotions are regulated, so you are not playing emotionally, but you're playing with emotion. Commonplace. Michael Malone goes 180 degrees the other way. God bless him. God bless him. Uh, he's at least true to himself right up until the end, <laughs> always anxious. And for some reason on this Nugget team, everybody talks about how Malone gets the players because that's standard in sports now to view the coach, no matter who's on the team, as the driving force. 
So it's always a matter of how the coach comes to understand these wild, egotistical players. It is never the other way around, even when the coach seems more anxious than his players do. And non-anxious is the form of leadership that Nikola Jokic exercises that some of the great leaders in basketball history have never exercised. They've exercised a different form of leadership. Michael Jordan screamed at his teammates all the time. Bill Russell threw up in the locker room before games. And other than hugging John Havlicek for saving his bacon and the Havlicek stole the ball game, in 1965 in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals against Wilt in the 76ers, Bill Russell didn't spend a lot of time complimenting his teammates. Nikola Jokic won't even acknowledge that he's the best player on the team. Right. And somehow doesn't remember a word of what he said after Game 2, except his teammates say it was pretty much diametrically opposed to what Michael Malone had to say. And And they said, here's the kicker. I don't remember what he said, but boy, did it resonate with me. And you know what? I think they knew what Michael Malone said, and it didn't make a damn bit of difference to him. They just said, that's Malone being Malone. The players understanding Malone, in my opinion, is far more important than Malone understanding the players. That's the story. And you know what? Oftentimes... And accepting his quirks. He is a quirky coach. Oftentimes, that's the way it goes, too. You know, it's, it's, it's funny you bring that up because the truth of the matter is a lot of the times for many teams in many sports, that's actually the way it goes because coaches are not the guys with all the answers either, right? Otherwise, they wouldn't be getting fired all the time. They... <laughs> Yeah, they, they, apparently. Right. Even coaches who win 70% win of their games right. get fired. Even coaches who win 70% of their games and win championships But you think about it that way, Sandy, less than with, two the, years later. with the uh, a coach looks at his player and says, okay, what does this player do well? What does this player not do well? Try to coach up what he doesn't do well, but accept, accept the reality that no player is ever going to be good at everything. So I'm going to try to put this person in a position to maximize what they can do best and minimize the amount of time they're exposed having to do something they don't do best. Well, why wouldn't players look at their coach the same way? After they've been around Michael Malone long enough, understand that this is what Michael Malone actually does really well. But let's pay attention to that stuff. The stuff he doesn't do very well, okay, that's just... That's Michael Malone being Michael Malone. It's like Michael Porter Jr. sometimes throwing up some three that he shouldn't have thrown up. Okay, well, you know, that's just him. It happens. Uh, Players treat coaches that way, too. Have you ever seen leadership? I'm trying to come up with a phrase other than non-anxious, as self-deprecating as Jokic, who who talks after the game the other night about how Bruce Brown took a three-pointer. And Jokic is going, don't do that, throwing up his hands. Brown shoots a three, it goes in, and, you know, you hear coaches say, oh, no, 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 oh, yes, 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 when it goes in. That's what Jokic is doing on the floor. There's one I can tell you about that was in this town. I'll tell you who it is next on Miley Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. 
presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Well, it feels like the first time because it would be the first time for the Denver Nuggets. And there is nothing like the first time. No, as Terry Bradshaw reminded all of us in 1977, when the Broncos won their first ever. Slightly different topic, but I get you. But no, but the Bradshaw thing is something I've always remembered because it was the first Denver team uh, ever to advance, other than the Nuggets, uh, shortly before that in the ABA Finals, to even the championship round of the conference playoffs. And Bradshaw says, to the Bronco players more than to the fans, enjoy it because now the fans will expect you to make the playoffs every year and contend for Super Bowls every year, and it will never feel like this again. There will always be pressure. This is a joy ride. You better appreciate it for what it is. This from who was then uh, a two-time Super Bowl champion who later became a four-time Super Bowl champion and uh, sound counsel from uh, Terry Bradshaw. And, uh, of course, we've seen the Avalanche uh, repeat as Stanley Cup champions and then win again last year for a third time. Uh, We have never seen the Nuggets in this spot. And, uh, again, kudos to Calvin Booth, a a guy who gets it. Here's what he said over the weekend about this Nugget playoff run. And I want to get the quote exactly right here. He was talking about how we all have an urgency to get this done. None of us know if or when we will ever get back to this point. That's one of the mistakes teams make. They believe that they're about championship windows, right? I know the Broncos did uh, in in the mid-'80s when they went to the Super Bowl again, and even after getting crushed by the Giants, After all, they figured the Giants crushed everybody that year in the playoffs, which happens to be true. And I remember, and I'll never forget it, being on the bus on the way back out to the airport with a good many of the players and Tom Jackson, who was about to retire, sitting in the back of the bus as some of the younger players were getting on and chirping happily that Tom Jackson knew it had taken him nine years to get back. And the younger players assumed that they would be going back again and again and again. And you know what? They turned out to be partly right, but the counsel from Tom Jackson was still wise. I mean, the Broncos did go back to the Super Bowl in two out of the next three years (laughs) and got crushed twice more but his point was they don't understand how hard this is and yes they went back the next year and then after an off year in 88 they went back again but they got crushed both times and those young players would say i'm sure in future years to people who expected to go back every year win or lose it's not that easy. Well, a cautionary tale, of course, but is Dan only, Marino, right? Only Who, experience can teach you that. Oh, second, absolutely. second year in the league, everyone thought it was a coronation. Uh, they yep. lost, but that's all right. Dan Marino's resetting oh, every record book. Never even went back. And how many home championship games did they play? More than one for the AFC title. And 
teams like New England and Buffalo it beat the tar out of them on their home field in AFC championship games. The assumption even comes closer, quite frankly, I think, for the last couple of seasons. People felt the Colorado Avalanche were a dynasty in the making. And they didn't get all the way there until they did. And then the assumption at that point seemed to be, oh, well, they'll go back and they'll win it again. And look, had they been able to stay healthy, I think they would have had a chance. But they hadn't been able to stay healthy. And guess what? In part and parcel, that's because it's the run you make. It, you Championship windows don't stay open very long. In fact, you should never assume when we talk about championship window, you should be talking about winning one, not multiples. A million things could happen. The Nuggets have been derailed by injuries before. Tons of things could occur. The, Booth is exactly right, and I think Jamal Murray's been on top of that. Jamal Murray, uh, multiple times in the Lakers series after games, people would ask him about something, he'd walk out and say, how many more? How many more wins? Until a championship. Not to get there, to win the whole thing. No, And there isn't, you know, we're here to start a dynasty. Go no sane person what? says that. Get your first. Get get that one. And, uh, you know, we chuckle in sports sometimes when teams win. Uh, John Wooden said it after uh, UNLV lost to Duke the year after crushing them here at Old McNichols Arena in Denver in 1990. They go back in 91. Duke beats them at the Final Four. And they had been undefeated that year. Right. And somebody asked Wooden after the game, uh, you know, somewhat sardonically, uh, what do you think about UNLV and its dominance? And Wooden's response was a lot of teams have won one in a row. Uh, the most recent phrase that's been adopted is dynasty of one, <laughs> which hung over the Kansas City Chiefs until they won the Super Bowl this past February. Right. See, I've always thought that's a bit. Uh, that's great. If you're one of the, the the blue bloods in college basketball, you're one of rich teams in baseball or whatever. That's fine. You can you can have those. But I think. But if even you're, those schools, you don't. Especially nowadays, they never win two in a row. And nobody does. That's why I think for the Nuggets, you don't worry about it. You try to get this, and you enjoy it. You enjoy it as a fan. One of the things the NBA did that was really nice over the last couple of years is on the back of the uniforms, there is a certain teams. Nuggets aren't one of them. The Heat aren't. In the back of their collar, there is a small gold band around the back of the collar. If you have won a title, you are allowed to have a little small gold band on the back of your jersey. And that shows they're a franchise that's won one. Now, if you zoom, zoom in, you can't see it on TV. If you were to hold one of those jerseys in your hand, it'll, it, there's a times, you know, an X number. But what it basically, I think the NBA has done right when putting that together is it highlights if you won one or if you haven't. Have you reached the top of the mountain or have you not? Now, how many times you have, that's nice. But that's not what they're drawing attention to. They're simply drawing attention to, have you been a champion? Because once you're a champion once, you're a champion forever. And oh, that's Fred, one Fred of the Shiro things. Fred had the great uh, line when the Broad Street Bullies won the Stanley Cup. Uh, you know, 1974. Uh, they come into existence as an NHL expansion team in 1967. And Sherrill said before the final game against Bobby Orr, Phil Esposito, and the Boston Bruins, when they were trying to clinch, he said, win tonight and you'll walk together forever. And Peyton Manning and DeMarcus Ware the night before the Broncos Super Bowl in 2016, February of 2016, mm -hmm. 
in Santa Clara said basically the same thing. My guess. We walked together forever, and that wasn't a budding dynasty. Tell me how many people thought the Broncos would win two in a row or three in four right. years after they won in 2015. Nobody did because everybody knew Manning was retiring. Where would follow closely behind? My he guess, one more year, and and, and nothing lasts forever. They were too old, and they won in too unlikely a fashion in 2015. And thank thank goodness the Broncos felt that way about themselves. And to this day, we can look back on that team and say that was the team least inhibited by ego that some of us have ever been around. Do you think DeMarcus Ware cares how many times he's won a Super Bowl ring or that he has one at all? I can, I, it's a rhetorical question, I can tell you. <laughs> it's that he has one. And I suspect that the soon-to-be-eventually-legendary Jokic speech that nobody seems to recall but everyone recalls it was really important had something to that element that inside great? it because Jokic all himself... All kinds of players saying... Boy, that speech hey, resonated with me. I what like did he it. say? I, I don't oh, remember. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> Keep, that. Keep it in the locker room. Good for you. Good well, no, for you. I, I suspect, honestly, I do suspect. They don't remember, but it had impact. I do believe. But I bet Jokic some of it really has to do with that. doesn't remember because it's how he is all the time. It's the way he talks. But, but Jokic, Jokic understands. And, and I, was, I, was, I was on her in Minnesota earlier today. And I asked basically the same question about Jokic's leadership style and about the MVP and all that sort of stuff. And I, I said the same thing to them. Jokic simply does not care if you watch him, don't watch him, like him, don't like him. Care about the way he plays, don't care about the way he plays. He's out to get wins. If it means he has to score 40, he'll score 40. If it means he can win by scoring eight and getting 20 assists, then he'll do it that way. He doesn't care. He wants to win. Basketball game. He's happy and the and rest serene of this team wins. is happy now. They have I, taken on that personality, and there is another team in the market. And you asked me earlier at the end of the last segment about it, and there is someone that I can think of that's close. And that's because his nickname, depending on uh, what you what you called it, either had to be silent or quoteless or whatever. And that'd be Joe Sackick. Yeah. Who was very, oh. very similar in the fact that he was clearly the captain. When he retired from the game, he was the ninth leading scorer in the history of hockey. And you wouldn't know it because when he was the captain, too, you know, he was never the best guy on the ice. It was always somebody else on the team. It was the great people putting sure. it together. There's a similarity there. Well, there is and there isn't. Because the Joe Sackick in that locker room was a man Ray Bork referred to as the greatest leader he ever right. played around. And it wasn't because he was quoteless Joe. Correct. In fact, he wasn't but that he way it. at all. But what he said to his team stayed with his team. Oh, definitely. And that's what I think is happening with Jokic but here. Jokic I do think isn't a firebrand. He He's no. the same inside the room as he is outside but the room. But when he talks, his teammates know they need to I listen. know, because the message is serene. And it's 180 degrees from the way the coach presents himself look to at the, team. the effect it just has the opposite on Aaron and Gordon that resonates with them it keeps them calm and Murray I, I mean Gordon veers toward that kind of temperament but he's, but he's anyway. found his perfect partner in that case oh, like oh yeah. this is my guy right. this is my shaman right, right. here this right. is the guy I was no, not trying to find he, he was one of the first on the team to recognize that I suspect Bruce Brown and Christian Brown weren't far behind Jeff Green is 
a, a sage basketball man who's bounced around the league and he's played with LeBron and other superstars in the game, but he's never played with somebody quite like Jokic. And LeBron is kind of somewhere between Jokic and Jordan on opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to leadership style. But there's no one like Jokic who calms his teammates down. He makes them better through his incomparable skill, but he also makes them better because he keeps them serene and happy. That's how he is. Nikola Jokic will get passionate about one thing in his life, and that's horses. He plays basketball because he likes playing basketball, and winning makes him happy. And he values happiness above anything else in his life on and off the court. One of the early quotes in which I realized that Nikola Jokic was different, and I want to say, and I, please correct me if it's wrong, but I want to say it was either the twenty the 2017-18 season. I think that's when it was. When we started to get an idea, you saw him a little bit. And he was asked about his style because he passed from the get-go. And I remember it. I remember it extremely well. He said, because I, I remember him saying it, I, I, I was like, that's something. And it was asked, you know, why would you, why would you pass him and said to shoot? And he said, scoring makes one person happy. Passing makes happy. two people happy. happy. And that was his exact quote. Makes now, two people happy. Do you think Michael Jordan would have ever dreamed of saying, even after he came to trust his teammates, passing makes me happy? No, passing was a means to an end. It Correct. was a means to winning that he didn't always consider to be as important until Phil Jackson persuaded him, and persuaded is exactly the word, not commanded him, persuaded him to trust his teammates. But I don't know that passing ever made Michael Jordan nearly as happy as passing makes Nikola Jokic. Scoring make Michael Jordan happy. Being the best player, dominating, even embarrassing his opponent. That made him happy. Jokic isn't into it's that. Almost, it's almost the opposite. Jokic is not into he embarrassing his the, opponent. The score is the means to an end. his play does that. Yes. Scoring <laughs> not, is a means to an his, end for him. Not his attitude. Uh, not He's not Draymond Green. He's not uh, one of the great trash talkers of all time. Uh, Bill Walton's 30 for 30 aired last week, parts one and two. Parts three and four will air this week on ESPN. Marvelously done. And during the uh, documentary... Walton is asked about trash talking, and he says, the two greatest trash talkers of all time among people I was around, number one, Larry Bird, no surprise, said number two, John Wooden, and it's not even close. Mm-hmm. Not Maurice Lucas, not, not, not a guy who projected uh, a, a, a kind of surly, curmudgeonly attitude which Lucas had on the court. No, it wasn't Lucas who talked trash. It was John Wooden who talked trash in a way that only Larry Bird, in Walton's estimation, could surpass. And it it just it, it shows you that, you know, John Wooden trash talking? Well, yeah. He trash talk opposing players all the time. In fact, that was the source of his bad relationship with uh, Digger Phelps 
He'd yell at Notre Dame players. During the game, he trash talked them. Vicious. Not profane, but vicious nonetheless, to the point where more than one other coach told him to shut the hell up and stop talking to my players. Which I com- kind of completely Which understand. involved more profanity than Wood well, used, would use, but so. he was relentless. Irv Brown said one of the worst coaches he ever had to ref for was John Wooden. Far more difficult than Bobby Knight ever dreamed of being. Far more difficult than Al McGuire ever dreamed of being because John Wooden always thought every official was out to screw him. And Dean Smith was much the same way, by the way. Neither one of them ever cursed. Referees did not like them, at least from a professional point of view, did not like working their games because they were relentless. Bob Knight was volcanic. Al McGuire, maybe to a slightly lesser degree. Irv Brown threw Al McGuire out of an NCAA Final Four game, a championship game once. That's how... But you know what? Al McGuire wanted to get thrown out of that game because his team was playing like garbage. So Irv threw him out of the game, but Al McGuire wanted to get thrown out. John Wooden and Dean Smith, they, every time you pass them, they were getting on you. Well, Nikola Jokic is a different brand of cat. Yes. We've never seen anything like it. He'll, he'll, he'll uh, hear his teammates say it he'll talk uh, a little bit in his own fashion but that's the thing right in his own fashion the nuggets look to claim their first nba championship on home court tonight the heat believe they may have reinforcements coming in we'll talk about tyler hero and what he might be able if anything to contribute next on my life sports This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Out of the eight top scorers in the NBA Finals thus far, five are Denver Nuggets. All five of their starters are in the top eight. All five. You can even talk Caldwell about, Pope. Even Caldwell Pope. And even Porter. And even Porter. Who has not scored in this series very well. So out of that desperation... <laughs> Uh, brings the news that Tyler Hero has now been cleared and may try to play in this game. Uh, I, I would say this, and we were, you and I and Danny were talking about this just a couple of moments before we went on air. If they go ahead and try this, and, and maybe they do, I actually think it increases the Nuggets' chances of winning the game even more than it already is because now you're starting to disrupt a couple of things. Now you have to force the ball to Hero to see how he can fe- see how he feels. Uh, he is. It, it was reported that he still has. Uh, it was listed as distinct. That was the word. Distinct discomfort in his shooting I, hand and primary dominant I, dribbling hand. Uh, I don't I think must he can say play. I'm surprised. And I don't think I he can play. And I don't know if I'm this not is sure the idea of Hero himself is feeling some of the nervousness that what if I never get back here? I'm yeah, going to kick myself if be, I don't get out on the floor and I have to try. Mm-hmm. Or I have to try to help my team, right? Uh, all my of which is not scoring. I all of which score. I, I He's respect. A Twenty point per game guy. I respect right. the the effort, and right. I respect the, the the fact that he'd be willing to go for it. Uh, I respect that. I'd like to think if I was in his shoes, I'd be trying. I'd be banging the coach's door down, saying, "Just give me, a, let me try, let me try." Uh, I don't know 
if that's going to happen or not, because it may very well be that Eric Spolster looks at the future of his team and decides there are a bunch of small bones in your hand and we don't necessarily need something happening to it. Knowing we're not going to win three in a row, but Hey, why don't you suit up, go to shoot around. We'll say you gave it the, you know, the best effort you could, but just not ready to go. Well, I think he wanted, I think he wanted to get out of street clubs, but I think he gets on the floor. I I think it gives Denver a better chance of winning. Well, I don't think Spolstra will play him enough to have, a real impact either way on winning or losing. Um, We are coming to realize that this Miami team is just as competitive as everybody said it was, and they don't quit. And they are different from the Timberwolves, from the Suns, from the Lakers in that respect. But what we have also seen is that the three-point shooting team that we saw during the regular season, that's really who they are. And they got on a roll in the playoffs because people didn't guard them and they gained confidence and they had one or two guys get real, real hot. I'm thinking of Vincent and Struess in particular, but even Robinson after an off year from three-point land got Hot in the playoffs, and he even played well the other night. In fact, all three of their bench players, primary bench mm-hmm. players, Robinson, Martin, and Lowry were double-figure scorers in game four. Their bench was better than Denver's bench in terms of scoring. Denver's bench, uh, even with Brown scoring 21, had 25 points. Miami's three primary reserves had 36 points. And they still lost by 13. I mean, everywhere you look, they had these little edges that you're thinking maybe that'll push them over the top, and it didn't materialize. Now, I do think, obviously, 8 for 25 on threes. So, again, not only did they not take nearly enough threes, but they didn't make any, okay? So 32% to the Nuggets, 50%. Nuggets make 14 threes, Heat make eight. Tyler Harrow says, Coach, at least let me dress out. At least let me give it a shot. I don't know if the conditions will materialize during the game uh, that allow for wisdom to be exercised over desperation and you put Harrow in the game because it's the wise thing to do, not the desperate thing to do. I, I don't know if those conditions will arise tonight during the course of the game, but I can see it because really right now, I'd be saying to Vincent and to Struess and even to an extent to Robinson, certainly to Martin and Lowry, let that chump shoot from three-point distance. And Harrow is not a chump as a shooter. Uh, no, no, certainly not. And for for the Nuggets, some of it's interesting because you talked about Vincent. Vincent is averaging 12.8 per game in this series against the Nuggets, against the Celtics, he averaged 15.8, so the drop-off. But the yep. guy that's fallen off the map is Caleb Martin. Caleb Martin averaged 19.3 per game in 35 minutes a game against Boston. Against and he Denver. was judged by four of nine voters to be the most valuable player of the well, and Eastern we, Conference we agreed, Finals. We agreed with that and assessment. We agreed with that. Butler beat him out with five votes. And in this in this series, nobody else got a vote. He's gone down eight minutes a game to 27.5 as Kevin Love right. has taken more time on the floor, and he's averaged 6.8 per 
Pittsburgh. A third. Now, I, I thought his he best scored a game. third per right. game of what he scored against Boston. I thought That's his best game of the series was on Friday night, and he had 11 points in 33 minutes. So that tells you that was his best game. Right. And I'm not saying all he brings is scoring because he had five rebounds. He had an assist. He only turned the ball over once. He was a plus player over 33 minutes. He was fine. But that's who he is. He is not, and I was wrong, and you were more right than wrong, a lot more <laughs> correct than I was, in assessing Martin's impact before the series began. Not during the series, but before it began when you said, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't have that much to worry about because at 6'5", he can't hurt them. The Celtics are a team that a player like that could <laughs> – could and did could and did push back a little bit. I mean, he he has, you know, he's another one of those undrafted guys and he looks at all these Boston all NBA guys, uh, you know, Tatum and Brown and he says, you know, I can handle them. They they're not that much bigger or stronger than I am and I'm committed and I'm fresh. And they're exhausted because they carry their team every night, all year long, and through the playoffs. And he exploited those two guys at various times during that series. But on the Nuggets, there's no one to exploit that way. And he's six inches shorter or five inches shorter than Michael Porter Jr. So, yeah, uh, Michael Porter Jr. has been in a shooting slump, but has Caleb Martin hurt? the Nuggets, with that matchup. It hasn't been that much of that matchup because no. Porter's starting and Martin's coming off the bench now. Yeah, and, and in Porter Jr.'s case, obviously, it's been a it's been a rough series after the game one he had that's been really good, but the Nuggets haven't seemed to have too much of an issue with it. And uh, we go back to the comments of of Michael Malone who talked about, and, and, and I'll, give, I'll give him this as a defense. He's actually... Coach one of those teams has been down 3-1 and 1. So I guess, you know, you look at it and you think, hey, I've, I've seen it done. We've done it to somebody else. We need to be careful. But his, his quote was, my biggest concern going to any closeout game is human nature and fighting against that. Most teams, when you're up 3-1, they come up for air. I'm not actually sure that's the case. I don't believe that. I, I, and that's, again, that's spoken to me as a, as a coach yeah. who's also in his first finals yeah. and has never won yeah. and is also much like his players experiencing these things for the first time. Right. I think players are so up I think that's a long read. Uh, I don't yeah. think they're coming up for air. Were they doing that on Friday? When, when, if they had that attitude. It was, after, it was after game three. It would be after game three. You're up two games to one. Game four, yeah, you want to win. <laughs> But even if they lost, not, it was two two with two games being left in Denver. You're still in control of the series, and Game Four played out pretty much the way the whole series had played out. And I'm texting back and forth with a number of friends, and you may have done the same. And you know the, these are hardcore, passionate, longtime fans who have never seen a Nugget team like this in the playoffs before, and. Anytime their lead slipped into single digits, they'd go crazy with terror. Doom is around the corner. Right. They've cut our big lead down to nine or eight. The sky is falling. 
and they'd mention specific shortcomings. They'd mention Porter. When's KCP going to start holding up his end of the bargain offensively and scoring some points? Brown had 15. Christian, in the previous game, he's got one point tonight. Oh, Jokic is in foul trouble, and he he's shooting under 50%. Oh, Murray's 5 for 4 for 14. Finished 5 for 17. Oh, what's going to And my constant answer was, it doesn't matter. There's other this guys. This team has an abundance of talent Bruce and Brown know-how was, when it comes to knowing yep. about different ways to win basketball. Bruce Brown was not good in game three. He was fantastic in game four. Absolutely. I mean, that's, he that, and Gordon somebody, were their two best right. players. Somebody on this team, there is enough talent and there is enough knowledge that someone can step up when someone has a bad game. And that's what makes them uh, what is likely to be a very, very impressive championship team, potentially as soon as tonight. Uh, we want to know your opinions as well. The Colin text line is 303-831-1340. We'll be joined in studio by Andrew Feinstein next on My Life Sports. On the 